Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes... Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 183. This week, Ellie chats to Elizabeth Hay, a Singaporean-born chef who's just opened May May, a coffee house and borough market specialising in the food and drink of Singapore. They chat about why she pursued a career in food after completing a degree in architecture, how she travels across London to source key ingredients, and the best places for coffee in Singapore. So I'm here today with Elizabeth Hay, a Singaporean-born chef who competed on MasterChef back in 2011, and then went on to become head chef at Pigeon in Hackney, winning a Michelin star at the restaurant. Elizabeth has gone solo for her latest venture, opening May May in Borough Market, a spot specialising in dishes from Singapore, Malaysia and Indonesia. So think chicken rice and captain's curry. So welcome to the Olive podcast. So you grew up in the UK with Singapore heritage. How did that influence your journey with food from a young age? I think if everybody knows uh, anyone from Singapore, that basically food and eating is um, culture. It's just all about (laughs) eating and um, so I think my passion for food and cooking is stemmed from my mother, that side. Um, it's just say, for example, instead of greeting people with a normal hello, how are you? It's, are you hungry? Let's go eat. That's mm-hmm. just a very normal way of greeting people. Amazing. <laughs> and so I think just from a very young age, we were always trying lots of different things and sort of my parents' attitude towards eating is like, well, if you don't try it, you're going to go hungry. So we tried everything. Um, and yeah, so there's things we wouldn't like, but we meant we had quite an open mind about food and eating, particularly 
the different um, cultures around food. Yeah. Um, so although you came from a family that loved food, it wasn't your immediate career path. Can no. you talk about Matt, more about how you got into the kitchen? Um, so my sort of career path, I, I really was, I loved doing arts and uh, when I was at school as well as I was into science. So for me, naturally, I, I loved architecture. Okay. And so, which combined both of those skills. Just being brutally honest, like growing up, I'm not going to give away the decade, but <laughs> but growing up, like when you're going through school, a career in cooking or being a chef or in mm. the hospitality industry wasn't really pushed upon. It's obviously it's the natural route is go to university, you yeah. know, get all those schools for the schools. So that's where my love for architecture kind of blossomed. Um, and it's a bit of a shame because, yeah, I'm not, don't get me wrong, the food, uh, the, don't get me wrong, the food education, I think, when I was growing up was absolutely dire. Mm. Um, I don't, I think I can, I've lost count how many types of cheesecakes I learned how to make. <laughs> yeah. Which I could bake, completely, Which complete test. And I really couldn't do anything as exciting as yeah. a baked cheesecake. That would be great. But it was all like, you know, the cold set cream on like a really yeah. biscuity and how many variations of that. I mean, that's not learning how to cook. No. And so that wasn't really like what, like how, yeah, if it wasn't for my mum's passion for cooking at home, I wouldn't have any probably interest in cooking at all. Definitely not as a career path. But as I went through university, I just noticed that, and especially moving away from home when I had to start learning and cooking for myself, that's when I was like, well, I actually really enjoy it. It's quite therapeutic, Mm -hmm. especially when you've been stuck in front of a computer for like 18 hours or in a, you know, studio room and all you want to do is just something about, talk about food again. And even my um, college friends, they were like, all you do is talk about food and (laughs) They know all I spent my student loan was on food. Like they'd yeah. go out clubbing and get, you know, when everybody's student loan came through and I would end up spending like 70 pounds on a cot de boeuf or something. Yeah. <laughs> and having like a really big roast dinner or something. That was my treat. Yeah. Um, no, mum, I didn't spend 70 pounds on a cot de boeuf. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> but I, I did spend a silly amount on food. But um, yeah, so I think just from going through cooking at home I just kind of was like well I love cooking so my friends dared me actually to go on to MasterChef and then I actually did okay on it so and from there I was like you know what I actually would love to have a career in cooking or at least be around food Mm -hmm. so I started that modern chef blog which now is like just stayed with me that insta name um and I made the jump really I think this came to a moment when I finished the bachelor's in, and in architecture and I was like actually I really just rather than go into another year of studying I just mm-hmm. want to cook so yeah I took the sort of leap into going into cooking starting at the right at the bottom as a commie yeah. um and being yeah I was quite old-fashioned I wrote letters to restaurants I didn't realize yeah. you could just walk up into a restaurant <laughs> like, and just turn it you know there's so there's so many places that you the industry needs chefs. Mm. So just walking into a kitchen, you'll get a job probably somewhere. Yeah. As long as you're... As long as you've got interest. <laughs> as long as you've got a yeah. passion and interest and enthusiasm and you're not too scruffy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I managed to find a job really, really quickly and I just started at the right bottom peeling potatoes, like sacks after sacks of potatoes <laughs> and 
um, and quite small, so these potato sacks would be bigger than me. And God. carrying them from the shed was impossible. But, um, endurance test. It was an endurance test. It's a stamina. But I think it was more about learning about a different discipline as well because mm-hmm. being going straight from a university into a kitchen like environment, it was a completely different discipline. Um, there's no talking back, basically, no. or challenging, which I was you know, taught to learn yeah. a lot at university, university challenge is, someone. Mm, it's all about arguments, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Don't, yeah. don't challenge a head chef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that quite quickly. And also you need to speak up because I'm quite a sh- I, I, oh, I used to be quite a shy, introverted person. Mm. Um, actually, I think my mum and dad would definitely disagree with that. <laughs> but... To the outside. To the outside, yeah. 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 I, would, I, wouldn't, I would normally keep to myself and do my work. But mm. I learned like very quickly that you need to be a very outspoken person in the kitchen because you need to be even just letting them know that you're there behind, behind them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff Practical like stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I absolutely, as soon as I jumped into the kitchen, despite being a complete different shock in the salary yeah. and pay, um, <laughs> You know, going from a pay in London to outside of London, and yeah. Well, so where was your first job? Was it? It in was like in a um, pub. Ooh. It was in a gastro pub right. in Windsor. Okay. Well, yeah, a bit between. So I I live in Maidenhead, and um, there was like some re- there's really good gastro pubs around that yeah. area. So it was a great place to kind of learn and just basically get my teeth stuck into the industry. Yeah, and so um. After a while of working in different uh, different places, you moved to Pigeon, where you became head chef, and it won its Michelin star. What did you learn about food and your style of cooking, and what you did and didn't like from your time there? It was a really interesting time, like being the head chef of Pigeon, because it was a it was a great concept in terms that we got to change the menu every week. So that mm. meant we got to be really creative and also where we brainstorm like a month's worth, so four different menus ahead. And we got to really brainstorm, push like different ideas where I think in, in the time I was there, or even probably still now, they haven't, we haven't repeated a single thing. Wow. Um, a single dish. A single dish. Wow. Everything. It's not like, oh, we'll just change, you know, a meat to a yeah. different type of meat, but the same garden. It was everything. <laughs> it was basically everything entirely, including the wine list and cocktails. Yeah. So it was really hard for not just the chefs, but for the front of house and the managers. But for me, it was a bit of a logistical like challenge. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it, after a certain period, it was just like I could tell what I enjoyed doing the most mm. and I could see trends. I, my background is primarily barbecue, wood fire cooking, as well as um, I'm really proud of my background heritage. Mm. So I wanted to include more about Asian flavors, Southeast Asian flavors, a bit more spice and heat. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I kind of took the decision to leave. So I could work on um sort of my own project and just kind of develop it a bit more yeah and that's when my husband and I came up with Kaizen House kind of just the, like an umbrella company that um has lots of different um it's basically had all these ideas floating around we just needed somewhere to hold them all in place yeah. mm-hmm. um like a holding page almost <laughs> yeah but we so because we are really into our digital productions so mm-hmm. we do YouTube channel which has unfortunately got a little hold whilst the restaurant's <laughs> open. Yeah. Um, and so we do a lot, we did a lot of traveling, um, which is the great thing of being about freelance. You could mm. just, we could do that. Um, and the, uh, we did a lot of events, which were really cool events. So it's all, it wasn't, we didn't want, we just wanted to redefine like what being a chef meant. Yeah. Um, Cause I, 
didn't want to be just stuck in one place doing one thing. It was all these things that I wanted to do for other people. It's like education and just having a bit of fun, really. Yeah. Um, As well as hopefully make a little bit of money. Yeah. (laughs) As long as... (laughs) Hopefully, yeah. um, Yeah, so we learned a lot from our time at Pigeon. Um, It just... It was just natural time to move on and start working on something for us. Yeah, yeah, more personal as well. Um, So you've got Kaizen House, but you've actually just opened uh, Mei Mei in Borough Market, and it means little sister. So how else has that restaurant been influenced or inspired by your family? Um, I'd say nearly entirely. Wow. Um, Yeah, so we. it was really interesting story about Mei Mei is that we were – we, yeah, since I've been I've left Pigeon, mm-hmm. we were looking as Kaizen House under the company. We were looking for a restaurant site. Yeah, and um, we actually started with a brand called uh, Shibui, which was going to be like my fire barbecue cooking, yeah. like a bit more fine dining restaurant, very similar to what I basically honed in on at Pigeon and mm. wanted to put into my own space. But I really struggled to find the right place for it. Yeah, and also it kind of felt like if I did that, I wouldn't be able to branch out and work on the other ideas as well yeah and then this opportunity in Borough Market came along and I was like that would be perfect for something like a casual um not so not fine dining but a completely mm. casual um eatery for uh I wanted to do something about more about Singapore and our background and so like you were saying, like, how has it been inspired by my family? I would say entirely because all the food that we do, it's Mei Mei, is home food, it's stuff that we cook at home. Okay. It's all the comfort food from Singapore and Malaysia, very, very similar uh, crosses there. Um, and so, yeah, we completely jumped into opening up in uh, Barra Market and we designed Mei Mei to. Uh, we designed Mei Mei so that it's a, a coffee tiam, like a coffee shop yeah. in Singapore. Um, and all the food that goes with, like I say, is home comfort foods. Mm. It's stuff that I really miss from yeah. being when I'm from Singapore or when I'm around my mum at home. Yeah. And I think it definitely strikes a call with people. I've noticed with the guests, um, the visitors on the market as well, because they say, oh, I haven't seen that in a while. And I'm like... Well, yeah, that's why we're here. Yeah, <laughs> because the representation of Singaporean, like, mm. well, particularly Singaporean cuisine. Mm. I say Singapore Malaysia. There's a lot of like similarities. Yeah, um, but to me, Singapore, home is Singapore, uh, mm. and I think the representation in London is just not enough. Yeah, and it's always in quite. You have to really look out for it. Um, we have to be in the know, don't you? Some yeah, those things where, I yeah, think there you... are some places that are doing. They do Singaporean dishes, mm. but it's we were just so passionate about opening Mei Mei that had a very fun, almost like a cult status sort yeah. of brand. And yeah. yeah, we'd love to expand it to other sites as yeah. well. And so you mentioned the like Singaporean coffee shops for people that haven't been to those, what are they like? What is the vibe of them? Singapore, like I say, is a very food-driven city mm. um uh but as well as they're very very hard working and so the coffee shops in singapore they'll be absolutely everywhere yeah um they don't look like the very damn typical coffee shops here where the big brand did yeah um there will literally be holes in the wall and there'll be someone that's making coffee or copy as we pronounce it mm. um in 
big tins and they'll be churning out. It's very, very quick, you know, grab and yeah. go. But very similar to like the Italians where they'll stand and have it and or they'll drink it right there and then and then head yeah. off. It's very similar in Singapore where you will turn up, you'll have a small breakfast dish like a congee or a chicken rice, which mm. is our one of our main dishes at Mei Mei. Um, or you'll just have your uh, kaya toast with uh, soft-boiled eggs. Mm. And so it's very like um, kaya toast is, kaya is a very sweet coconut jam. Okay. Like almost like, you, like a curd. Yeah. Um, the way you make it with the eggs and cream and sugar. Um, my version is kind of like caramelized version where I add Ooh. a bit of caramel in it because I like the honey nice. sort of flavor that comes yeah. from it. Basically, we serve that in white bread um, from Bread Ahead. Nice. That's right next door. Of course. Yeah, the next door. <laughs> Got to use your um, neighbors. <laughs> and then a very thick slab of butter because us Singaporeans are super healthy. And <laughs> then you use, it's kind of, and then you've got a big layer of like kaya in between and kind of use that as a dipping into the soft boiled eggs. It's kind of Ooh. like sweet and savory, different jammy. textures, jammy, um, a little bit of soy sauce for saltiness. And it's, for me, it's like a perfect breakfast. It's like the dream. Yeah. yeah. Because you get like a sugar hit, but, uh, a big sugar hit, yeah. a big butter hit as well. Um, All the good stuff. Yeah. And then you'd have that with a coffee, a copy. Um, and that is your great start to the day. Yeah. And so in Singapore, that's very t- uh, true of those sort of coffee shops there. And then once the morning rush is gone, it kind of empties out. And then you've got your aunties and uncles, which is a respective name for the elders mm-hmm. that will kind of gather and meet there as a social sort of gathering and right. catch up and talk for hours. <laughs> All Probably <just> day. Completely <laughs> High on caffeine, <laughs> yeah, chatting, and chatting, sugar. chatting away in sugar, yeah. And then these coffee shops will specialize in like a couple of hot dishes, like we do, right. um, like one or two, like they maybe serve a um, like a noodle dish. Usually, the coffee shops are next to a row of food stalls, right? Yeah, like a hawker or something. But there are a couple of um, coffee shops that just specialize in. Nasi Lamak is quite a, like a popular one yes. for breakfast. Yeah. Um, that's a Malaysian dish. Um, but yeah, Singapore is, yeah, we've got several national dishes. Amazing. <laughs> we can't pick on Not one. Not content with just it's one. Because we're, we're influ- um, there's a mm. lot of migration, immigration and there's like a lot of people migrate to Singapore from lots of different cultures. It's Southeast, a very, you know, it's a pinnacle point of Southeast Asia yeah. where everyone travels to. And so all these influences, all these different cultures and um and all the cuisines basically merge in one space and you can't, no one can, from everyone from a different background can't choose on one favorite yeah. dish. Um, and everyone probably has their dish that they yeah. say, that's our, like, like isn't it? My dad would probably say that his favorite national dish would be Singapore chili crab or something yes. like that. For me, it's the Hunanese chicken rice, which is um, a very gently poached chicken okay. um, with pandan leaves, that's how we Singaporeans cook it with pandan yeah. leaves, garlic, ginger, spring onion. And then you poach it really gently in this master stock. And then you use that stock to make the rice. Right. So it's like the ultimate chicken it's all flavor. Infu- yeah. But really it's delicate. Not like a roast chicken. Flavor. Okay. So I'm saying poached. Like, don't be put off by that. It's just no. really soft and delicate. So yeah. imagine like the most juiciest chicken you've mm. ever had. That's how poached chicken turns out nice um and is that that 100 day chicken did you say no, or so no so that's not there's like uh, so we started using these 100 day old chickens which are like the size of turkeys from the ginger wow. pig because the ginger pig are um our neighbors in the market yes. and so 
we I saw these chickens and I couldn't actually believe they were chickens. <laughs> You're like, no, no, no. They, were, they are ridiculously big. But obviously, they've lived a very good life. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that'd be a really good dish to use for our curry dish. Mm. We, we do um, a chicken curry dish, um, which is a, a nonya curry spice, which is basically um, a mix of different spices, turmeric and potato. And I was like, this sort of chicken needs like a slow braise yeah. because of it, the meat's going to be a lot harder than normal. Yeah. There's no way it was going to work for the poach. We tried it. It was you. just, no. no. <laughs> I was like, not, every, it's quite dark meat. It's yeah. a lot gamier because it's older. And so I think everyone would have been put off by sort of the pinkness. Just the appearance. The, the appearance well, yeah. We, yeah, it, it just didn't work, but it worked perfectly for the curry. But then with the curry, it was like, we had to kind of take the bones out and stuff because they were almost yeah. like dog bones in there because they were so Goodness. big yeah. compared to normal chicken. Yeah. So it just became a bit of a faff. A faff. So we, yeah, we just stopped using those 100-day chickens. 100-day chickens, are they used in Singapore? Is that... No, no it was no. just the fact that it's we the use the produce. Neighbors. Yeah, we use wow. the produce that we have around us because that's yeah. what we... That's sort of a benefit of being in the market is you've got mm. these incredible producers around you, so you might yeah. as well use them. Stick around to learn more about Singaporean food and drink from Ellie and Elizabeth. Are there any um, ingredients or things that you'd use traditionally in Singapore that you can't use over here or you can't, or they don't quite translate as well? Um, there are a number of bits. I mean, I have to travel all across London to find some of these bits. Um, ingredients mm. um, such as like ikan bilis which is like a dried tiny dried anchovy okay um, but it's one of the sort of key ingredients for um, nazi lamak as a garnish you basically like deep fry them until they're crispy oh wow they're like tiny little anchovy fish but they're just like really delicious burst. Yeah. and they're really like really good for you because they're like full of calcium yeah so my mu- i remember when i was young and my mum just made forcing me to eat all these little <laughs> there you fish go. but i've never complained <laughs> yeah they're really nice and salty and crispy and then also i think things like a lot everything's become a lot more accessible yeah. obviously but i am very conscious that we uh i try not to use too much that's from imported from yes. abroad yeah um, i think the main ingredient that is hard to find is the pandan leaves which is like the uh, green ingredient for the Hanunish chicken rice. Yeah, uh, but we we don't do anything like um, Chinese vegetables and such because mm. that does come from abroad. Yeah, try and use whatever like you know big leafy spinach Seems, or something. Like yeah, that. Something so, or that instead it. of long green beans for the curries, we use just French green beans or something close or grown locally. Yeah. Um. So, um. Yeah. The vegetables, so there's particular sweet potatoes that can use in the vegetable curry. We just use whatever is found in the market. Yeah. Um, but there are lots of little bits that are quite difficult to find, but I find there is a substitute for them. Yeah. Um, You're never going to be completely no. lost. Yeah. No, exactly. And so um, we've spoken about the food, but coffee as well is a big thing because it's inspired by these coffee um, mm-hmm. shops. So you said the likes of coffee with evaporated milk and a signature butter coffee. Is that yeah. right? So what are they? And I guess a I lot of people... For one for you. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people are probably used to having quite a dark, bitter roast and these kind of like very sweet alternatives. Yeah, we... So we work with a great partner called um, Coffee House. Okay. Um, a, they've come up with this sort of blend of copy. So I'm going to say copy. Here. Yes, it's copy. Copy. That is like copy. Yeah. It's like, like a G O P I, but okay. Copy. Um, that's how you pronounce it. Um, 
they have a blend basically it's three different types of beans which is so it's a mixed blend mm. um sorry if i get the pronunciation wrong but it's arabica <laughs> liberica and robusta beans right. and basically they're caramelized in sugar it's a very oh, wow. traditional way in singapore we basically yeah we'd roast that with typically with maize margarine and sugar again very very healthy <laughs> super healthy but um, with our blend, it's uh, just sugar. Okay. And then that's roasted and caramelized and then ground. And then over here, basically, it's like a filter coffee. Mm-hmm. Very, very dark, rich filter coffee. And then we brew it for three minutes. And you could put it through a filter machine or a cafetiere. Or we use basically what's called a coffee sock. It does mm-hmm. look like a sock, but... <laughs> A lot it's, of, not. it's not. Trust me. But it's basically just a very sustainable uh, coffee filter. Oh, yeah. So instead of using paper that you chuck away, it's, mm. you just rinse it out and use, use again. it again. And so you brew the coffee and you pour it through there and you just end up with this super, almost like tar black Like coffee. treacly almost. Treacly, yeah. yeah. That's probably much better. Wow. No, no, no. <laughs> and then um, you mix that with, with um, a little touch of sugar mm. and water to dilute it. And that is like a plain black coffee. Um, but with Gopi, it's with a condensed milk. Right. So again, a lot more sugar. Yeah. But <laughs> it's really rich and really, really delicious. I think mm. everyone, every single member of my staff as well has just been addicted to it. Since yeah, we've I can imagine. It's a great start to the morning. Yeah. But the butter coffee is basically the Gopi with a little touch of butter on top. Okay, like whole melted butter or just no, like... No, just like a little a sl- cube of butter. Almost. Yeah, just yeah. like a little slice on top. Oh. And then um, what you do is just watch it, let it melt and then stir it in. And that kind of is like, like a shot of cream almost. Yeah, yeah. It's essentially the same thing, like the creamy it's fat dairy butter. yeah yeah because in singapore we use condensed milk and evaporated milk it's available in tins because in that mm. sort of weather and humidity you yeah. don't want to, you, no one really has fresh milk it's either soy milk or some sort of uht milk mm. or but you'd only really find sort of like the cappuccinos and the lattes in sort of specialist coffee shops right that's, you know it's completely foreign it's a western thing yeah, yeah. it's completely foreign and so you'd have this is where simply where the copy and the evaporated milk condensed milks come from it's just the weather yeah and so okay. at uh, Meme, we're trying to help educate about this sort of lingo about yeah. it. a lot of people in the market who know about copy already mm. love the fact that we know the lingo as well so it's easy for them to communicate to me exactly how they want yeah the coffee. yeah there's no <laughs> and, and so um yeah it's just really nice to kind of have that sort of representation in Bring the market yeah and so once everyone has been to Mei Mei and eaten and drank everything mm-hmm. here are there any um places in Singapore that you'd recommend that are your favorites I don't really know where to begin there's, oh, there's so, so many, many. <laughs> I know that's quite a mammoth question I've just thrown at you um all right there's one place that's called Heap Xing Leong mm-hmm. which is kind of near lavender that's an area in singapore right um and we took loads of inspiration from this coffee shop um because he's been there mr chow's been there for like i don't know long years generations yeah wow um and that is like an epitome of copy tiam for me okay where you just go it's it's not glamorous it's Mm. not you know it's nothing fancy it's just you go in and it is like a dollar for a coffee which is like 50p yeah i actually don't know what the exchange rate is no it doesn't matter but they do 
I think our signature butter coffee is mm. inspired by his. Right. And I think they might be closing down soon because he needs to retire. Well, uh, so you better okay. go soon. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone book their trips to Singapore now. Um, yeah. And is that the kind of thing with these coffee shops? Do they get passed down through families? Is yes. That I think of- though really sadly like and this goes across like all the food stores and the mm. hawkers and all the sort of coffee um, the coffee shops and the hawkers the genera- younger generation either don't want to cook. Mm. It's a similar situation here. Like yeah. People don't want to cook. Um, or it's particularly, it's like, it is, because it is grueling work. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're working at this very high, like at every, every situation in the world. Yeah. There's grueling rents. And so, you know, you've got to do a lot of the work yourself. It's a lot of manual and hard mm. work labor. You start very early in the morning, like we do here. Mm. And you finish, well... It's just a, it's it's hard work. All and, day, you know, every. people in these hawkers and coffee shops don't want that for their children either. So, yeah. you know, they work hard so that they can go up and graduate. But that means that there's this sort of generational gap. Mm. And it's getting to a point in Singapore where they get, everyone's retiring, but no one's picking up the sort of the next, you know, stage of it. And next stage yeah. of it. Yeah. And there's just going to be this real, like, gap in mm. talent as well because yeah. it's also knowledge that's not being passed down yeah um which is a crying shame mm. because everyone's all starting to be like oh where's that noodle every time i go back to singapore i swear it changes i mean but, that's, that's yeah. the reason why um but th- there are like young there are people that are do, you know coming into it and making it a bit more modern yeah but at the same time, it's, you don't want to change that, yeah. the heart you don't want of traditions. No, to... you, you do, yeah, you don't want to lose the tradition. Mm. You don't want to use, lose the unique, and a sort of like a hawker. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it's kind of what we've tried to approach with Maymo. I've tried mm. to do it respectfully that we're not trying to do anything new and modern or completely, you know, revamp what it means to be a copper term. I mean, we went through the effort of bringing back the original authentic tiles from Singapore. Wow. I think it was about 70 kilos in our suitcase. Oh my God. I basically went out there in just a t-shirt and shorts. <laughs> and All you wore and then. My poor son just had one pair of clothes. Yeah. And, and then it's worth it for the tiles. It was worth it for the tiles because some people, every now and then someone yes. says, please come and notice the tiles. Just, yeah, comment but, um, on the tiles. We, yeah, even like the, we bought all the, uh, the same enamels and mm. it's just like a little bit of home from home yeah and because I know it is from Singapore it just kind of makes it a little bit more special to me at mm. least anyway it, and comforting almost it's comforting to, yeah. yeah it's like it is like I say it's a home comfort thing that's the reason why we did May May yeah um, and so with, with the with the um the coffee shops we just not uh, the, uh, the sorry the, with the coffee tiam mm. um concept is yeah i mean it's just basically out of respect for what we love back home in singapore and we're just hoping we're trying to just put it in a sort of a sort of a fun branding that people can recognize yeah. and hopefully learn to love absolutely well thank you so much liz Pleasure. that's great and everyone yeah go visit may may in borough market and feast on uh chicken rice and copy that's how i've said it amazing (laughs) thank you so that was the olive magazine podcast if you like this episode please review and rate us we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode you can visit our website olivemagazine.com you can pick up a copy of our new january issue on the newsstand right now or go and download the app version 
Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat.